again, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Semi Pro. I am your host, Dalton Barrett, aka Barrett Digital, and with me I've got my good friend and co-host. I'm Josh Clements, or Brit Edit. Joshua Clements. He's here. He's uh, rocking and rolling. I've been enduring that name for years now. Absolutely, you have, and you always will. And we're gonna do. We're gonna talk a little bit later in the episode about. Uh, we're gonna talk. Give our recap of the boys season two. Our review of that. We're also gonna talk some predictions for the Mandalorian season two, uh, which we're really, really excited about. But before we do that, I have got the greatest piece of news you maybe have ever heard. Okay. I'm going to really um, intrigue you with the headline only, and I want you to elaborate on the feeling you get just from this headline. The James Bond No Time to Die crew dumped $70,000 worth of Coca-Cola for an insane James Bond motorcycle stunt. Um, <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what I was expecting, but I, um, I definitely wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Isn't it great? The No Time to Die crew ended up dumping $70,000 worth of soda for one of the film's wild stunts. James Bond's latest adventure has been pushed back multiple times, but those heart-pounding stunts are already in the can. Lee Morrison has been a constant on the 007 series for many years, and he told Total Film that Coke is one of the secrets that the team uses to make sure that nothing goes wonky with motorcycle accidents. Usually, the bike sequences are fairly straightforward, but this one called for, get this, 8,000 400 gallons of the soft drink to be scattered on the roadways of Italy. I, I didn't even think they'd use it like like that. I thought it was going to be like, oh, they use it as a replacement for gasoline. No, 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 no. Get, so, so understand, I'm going to keep reading here. It makes the riding surfaces sticky, and that's a huge concern when your stunt rider is jumping 25 feet in the air at 60 miles per hour. So when he jumps and lands... On the on the coke on the soda, it's so sticky that it keeps the motorcycle from toppling over. So they just they glued down the roads. Essentially, they just made them really sticky so that when the motorcycle lands on the road, it doesn't <laughs> topple over. It's it's absolutely incredible. incredible. Now you you haven't seen anything from No Time to Die. You stayed away from the trailers. You stayed away from TV spots. Yes, everything. Right? The only thing I know about the movie is that there's a road with Coca-Cola on it that Daniel Craig is going to land on. See, here's the thing. I think they showed that stun in the trailers. Absolutely. And it, I, I won't lie, the Coca-Cola paid off. So apparently another thing about it is is Daniel Craig was the one who voiced concern for the stunt. Um, and so that's when they decided to go with the Coca-Cola thing. I'm just really excited, not only for this movie, but that was just such a beautiful headline that I had to share it on the show. I like that they, they weren't going to use the Coca-Cola until Daniel Craig was like, hey, this stunt seems kind of um, kind of dangerous. Like, don't you think we should have some safety precaution? And Lee was just like, yeah, I've got an, I got an idea. Get the Coca-Cola. Right. I mean, it's like... I mean, I would have to imagine they cleaned it up, right? I, I don't know. Maybe it's just... 80,000 gallons of Coca-Cola in the streets of wherever they filmed. Oh, wait. Lee here says, Coca-Cola makes things look very clean after you wash it off. So they even left the streets cleaner than when they found them. I guess, like, <laughs> I guess Coke eats away at the dirt. Like, you know, you put a penny in Coke. Oh, yeah. I guess, like, it, it, if it, I mean, if a bike can stick to it, I guess dirt sticks to it, too. Incredible. That's amazing. 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 Man. We've got some other news, too. Not not all of it is is as great as I should have saved that one for last. Realistically, because not everything can be soda sticking your motorcycle to the road. But uh, Jared Leto, this is equally as shocking. Jared Leto is going to be <laughs> returning um, for Zack Snyder's Justice League uh, in some apparent reshoots. What what, what do you think? I, I was talking to a couple of people about this earlier. I think so. We were talking about how does he how does he fit into the story because. It, like from the theatrical shoots and even even the original like Snyder version that he shot back in 2017, I don't think there's any mention of Jared Leto being a part of it. Um, so the closest thing that I can think of is the end credit scene where Deathstroke meets Lex Luthor. I can only imagine he's probably going to be on that boat too. That's my thought, which is weird because I assumed that that after credit scene was a Joss Whedon reshoot. Um, 
I don't know why I, I assumed it was. <laughs> I think it was probably the goofy suit that Lex Luthor was wearing, like the goofy comic accurate suit. Wait, I assumed. Also, also, he's on a yacht with like like women in bikinis around him when I don't think Lex Luthor was ever stabbed. Like the, the last time we saw him, he was playing basketball like Mark Zuckerberg. Right. It, it just felt like such a departure from that Lex Luthor that we had gotten that I assumed it was a reshoot. And maybe it was. I, I mean, maybe uh, that just gets Maybe it's reshooting the reshoot. Right. Well, the, my my only thing with this, because I've, you know, I've gotten some people, you know, trying to gauge my opinions, and I like it. This is one of the things, it's very funny, because the things that people don't seem to like about the Snyder Cut and the DC movies are the things that I seem to, seem to like. This is one I'm pretty excited for, because I think Jared Leto has a lot of potential as, as Joker. I really like him as an actor, and I think he could really fill out that role. So I'm excited to see more of him. Uh, with every bit of passing news that we get about the Snyder Cut, we get more and more proof that the Snyder Cut did not exist prior to this. Well, I, I, I think we should elaborate. The version of the Snyder Cut that we are seeing did not exist prior to this. Right. I, I have no doubt that there was a version that he shot, maybe not finished pre-production, that was a full movie that could have been released as a movie. But, you know, the fact that he's reshooting a lot of scenes now and he's bringing in actors and people who weren't previously involved with the film, it seems like, which isn't, uh, well, it's kind of a smart move. It's to take the things that people have been expecting or criticising about Justice League, both his version and Joss Whedon's, uh, and kind of, I, I want to say elaborating on those, fixing them, maybe, even. Well, here's, uh, but, yeah. here's my thing with that. If this movie was, if the pre-production for Justice League was finished when Zack Snyder left, Warner Brothers would not have pushed back the release date and had another director come in to to quote unquote finish the movie. They just wouldn't have done that. They would have just finished post-production without Zack Snyder. They could have done that. So that's another reason that I think it lends itself to the fact that this movie wasn't done. So they had another director come in, and when they found out he couldn't just finish his movie, he had to kind of rewrite some stuff. I I don't know. It. It, this just this this was specifically goes to prove the fact that the version we are going to get either did not well the, the version that we are going to see did not exist six months ago um, and one, once again or it's a three years ago. or three years ago exactly and it's a brilliant move on uh, Warner Brothers part so I guess we'll just leave it at that we don't we've already got a standard cut discussion video out there um, you had a little bit of Titans <laughs> um, speaking news? of HBO Max though absolutely. Uh, Titans got renewed for season four, apparently, an early renewal, um, which, take that as you will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not looking at it being, it may be a little better on the production end, it may get a little higher budget there, but the writing's still probably going to be the same. Uh, our boy Kerdog is going to be Red Hood in this season, apparently, or something. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I'm all for new incarnations of... Uh, old characters that's how i mean that's how you get the dark knight by taking something that everyone knows and going okay but what if it was this well i just don't you... think that the titans team has the uh same quality as the dark knight well that's how you get red hood in general right you take a uh, you take robin and you make him uh an anti-hero right you, you yeah, take yeah. robin and then you steal the winter soldier story and bam now you got red hood i don't know which one came <laughs> first it could have been the other way around um but it's i don't know we'll see we'll see I'm I'm not gonna watch it, but if somebody turns around and says, "Hey, this season's actually really, really good," then I may sit down and and only watch season four. I watched a little bit of season one, a little bit of season two, and you know whatever. But uh, I, it's uh, just not for me. I would, but HBO Max still hasn't released it, and neither has DC Universe. I'm not salty about that whatsoever. It'll be fine, Josh. It'll be a okay. Don't don't sweat. Yeah, I'd... I don't mind having to have six different streaming services just to watch all the shows. They'll get to you. They'll get to you eventually. <laughs> well, all right. Speaking of streaming services, speaking of television, uh, let's talk about the boys. The boys, and, and just full forewarning, this is we're we're going to enter spoilers for the boys season two. Overall, yeah. what did you think? Uh, I liked it. I, like. As a brief overview, I liked it. I thought it was a bit messy at times, but by the end of the season, all your stories had basically wrapped up. Uh, it, was, it was in a good position to move off. It was enjoyable. What do you think? Well, my biggest concern going into this season was that 
it wasn't going to have the same shock value that the first season had, right? Because the first season has this has this wonderful thing where every single thing that happens shocks you a little more than the last thing that happened. And I was really worried about that going into this season. And I was right to an extent, but what they lost in shock value, I think they made up for in what I think is slightly better character writing than the first mm, season yeah. had. Um, I, I feel like this season really... Um, really went all out with its with its with its character work and stuff and and it just all around uh, really strong performances by everybody in the show of course tony star um absolutely slaughtered it this season i think he was even better in this season of the show than he was in the last oh yeah the the season the scene at the end where he tries to get his son to come along with him his son chooses basically his mortal enemy and he he just breaks down he goes into crying into laughing into just pure insanity and then the scene after that, where he's at the press conference and he's just got these soulless, dead eyes that just have a thousand mile stare. It's beautiful. Also, quick question, quick aside on Homelander. So Tony Starr, when I'm watching him in interviews, you know, he still has the slightly puffy cheeks, right? Yeah. He does. It's not. It's worse in the show. So do you think well, he's he's I, Marlon Brandoing it and stuffing his cheeks with um with cotton balls? Cotton balls. <laughs> he's, he's trying to get the uh, the Don look. Uh, no, I think it's just I, I think um and Andrew Garfield has something similar. He has it in the the Amazing Spider-Man one. If you ever want to rewatch that again for some reason, but uh it, like when sometimes when someone starts working out and they start building muscle, their cheeks get kind of like pudgy and puffy. Well, but um, but he doesn't look like that normally. Like right, that's now. what I'm saying, but that's usually because June, normally, he's not working out. He's in the off-season, so he can let loose a little bit. But I'm talking, like, like ever. Like, he doesn't... Even in Banshee, he was in great shape in Banshee, and he didn't have that same thing going on. I'm almost convinced that he's, he's, he's Brandoing it. And if we ever have a chance to have him on this show, which we won't, but if we do, <laughs> I genuinely want to ask... If he's stuffing his cheeks with cotton balls, because I am borderline convinced that he is. Well, his thing, he's either brandoing it, or he's got the Tom Holland foggy mouth syndrome. <laughs> Which is also a possibility. Well, but Tom Holland's is one of life's goes, great right? mysteries. But I just I don't know. It's there's something about it where I don't know, man. It's I, I genuinely Maybe don't know. Maybe, maybe season, maybe Homelander is actually stuffing his mouth so that he looks more commanding, <laughs> so that he looks like Marlon Brando. Um, so, so quickly, I want to get your opinion. Um, Stormfront, as the villain of this season, I thought was absolutely incredible. I don't know, I haven't read the boys' comic, but I know I've heard it's hit or miss, and it's not as good as the show. Um, and I know Stormfront in that is is. A guy, but I don't know if they changed up any of their character. But I know that Stormfront is the villain of this season was phenomenal, absolutely stellar performance by that actress. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Uh, Aya Cash. Uh, so absolutely stellar performance by her. She really blew it out of the park. And and when I was talking about strong character writing, that's that's one of the main points I was talking about. She was just. So, so you really fell into that and could really believe what she was going for, and they managed to make her sympathetic. Isn't the right word. I, I know what you're going for you, but you felt for her almost. Right. Well, it's she was. You could feel and tell that she was brainwashed. You, you, by you connected this. with her, I should say. Like, well, you, you could tell that she didn't. She did believe these things because she was raised in that era. It's not inherently her fault right it would have been really easy to just make her like the nazi woman who was just absolutely disgusting and the worst person of all time like that would have been really easy yeah but what they, I, did... they kind of like they kind of like walked the line with that where you know they obviously outed her as a nazi but they they treaded the line where she didn't go full like so far into it that you just felt complete hatred like you did at times but they brought it back at times. So you know, you know, during her death scene, where she's just she's Anakin Skywalker laying on the ground speaking in German. Right. Uh, someone, I think someone on Reddit broke down what she was saying, and it, she, she was like so delusional at that point that she thought she was talking to Frederick and her daughter. She was like, "Do you remember the first time that she bit an apple from underneath the tree?" 
it was such a lovely day, Frederick. And it's like that that kind of thing is genuinely almost emotional. Well, you can tell that they put a lot of thought into that character. You can tell that they didn't just say, okay, she's an evil Nazi. You can tell that, that, that uh, really that's how somebody would operate today if a Nazi really... If if one of Hitler's Nazis survived that long and rose into power today, that's exactly how they would operate. They wouldn't be super upfront about their Nazi beliefs and, and all that. I mean, they wouldn't fly out with a squat stick on their chest and start chanting "Hail Hitler." Yeah. But what they would do, rather, is they would um, they would play the game. And 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 you can even see the the one scene where they're talking to Homelander's son. And, um, which once again, another great performance by that kid oh, yeah. or, or those a, a child actor too. Well, twins too, even, um, uh, no, I think the thing was like, there was one actor doing it most of the time and then they had a couple of pickup shots. So they got the twin in. Gotcha. Okay. Well, either way, stellar performance, great writing, but you can tell in that, in that scene where she's talking to him and she, she turns to him and, and starts talking about the white genocide. And like you can tell when Homelander turns around and he looks shocked and all that kind of stuff, that's great writing. And that's and that's yeah. that's yeah. showing, not telling, right? They show that Homelander is shocked by her being a yeah, Nazi. He's, he's equally as confused. Right. And it's 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 all of these little tiny great scenes that really flesh out her character and I think made for what one of the best comic book villains I've ever seen on I mean on screen it's clearly a much smaller scale than like your Thanos's or your Heath Ledger's Joker but it's close to that and for being an Amazon original TV show that's pretty commendable yeah I mean I, I also want to bring it back because you, you mentioned the comics uh I've read the comics I read them a while ago now uh I can't remember everything but Storm Fun in that in the comics was like I said a man uh but it's the same story she, uh, he was in Nazi Germany, 1939, survived all through till whenever the boys takes place. Uh, basically the same character, except he was a bit more, for lack of a better word, comic booky. Like he was just straight up evil. Uh, I think he was meant to be a rip on Thor, if I remember correctly. And Homelander was cloned off of his DNA. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's there's even some nice references in the deaths of both of them because the deaths of Stormfront in the comics is Kimiko takes out his eye and then the boys just stomp on him to death basically. Gotcha. And uh, in the show, Becca's the one who takes out his eye, which is a nice little just little detail. That was another that was another character who I really loved this season. Um, I, I didn't. See, I was fifty fifty. I didn't like her during the first little stunt where she was there and they really this is something i want to talk about a little bit later but they really made butcher unlikable he's probably my takeaway most unlikable character this season um yeah but i i didn't becca the first episode she was in i was like eh. but then when she came back at the end i i really um i liked her she felt out of place with the team but i think that was intentional right she's not supposed to she's supposed to show us a time uh in butcher's life before he was this way um, Almost like innocence, right? And it well, not necessarily before he was this way, but during that brief window of his life where he wasn't this way, because we find out uh, his dad's a psychopath too. <laughs> right, we find out his dad is the same guy as him, and and beat him, and and his brother passed away, and and all of these things, and we find out that Butcher was this way, because and they had to, right? Because you bring back Becca, right, and you give him what he wants, and then suddenly he's not the same character who everybody's grown to love. Um, but if yeah. you give him a story beyond that, then that, that gives a way to kind of flesh that out, which was neat. Um, but for me, uh, she was great. The kid was great. But I really liked them giving the, the stabbing of the eye to her. I thought that was really neat. And I really liked um, the kid being the one to take out Stormfront. I really I thought that mm. was a really neat play on that. My first instinct, and this could still happen, but this is my prediction. I think in in the long run, in the grand run of the show, I think um, Homelander's son, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. It's escaping me. Ryan. Ryan's going to be the one to take out Homelander. And I've just got, there's just something, that's my instinct telling me that. And that may be the obvious answer. Uh, But so this season kind of felt to me almost like like a series finale wrap-up, right? Yes, that, that's what I wanted to mention, because the, the ending, everything seems almost concrete, like not not quite finished enough, but you could, if the show wasn't revived beyond that point, 
you could very easily end it there. Right, and that was very smart on their team. I don't know if they had whatever uh, foresight. If I remember correctly, if I remember correctly, the season three got greenlit midway through season two's production, or like gotcha. towards the end of it. So, they, so I imagine they did write this up as a kind of you know we might not get a revival. Right, which was pretty smart on their part, but like I said, uh, all around pretty good. I do want to talk about Butcher a little bit. Um, because every other character pretty much stays the same. We get a whole lot less screen... The, the, the villains, or I guess the villains, but the the seven, the, the, the quote-unquote superheroes of this series, get a whole lot more character time this season than last season, whereas last season the boys got a whole lot more uh, screen time. And, and last season was very much like Huey and Starlight and their relationship and how they, they mesh and stuff. And there's a little bit of that this season, but this season felt like the boys got a whole lot less screen time and those other characters got a whole lot more screen time. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's what caused this. I don't know, but Butcher just felt like the most unlikable character this season. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but everything he did just made me like him less and less. Yeah, I mean the um, the choice to like the very the first half of the series season, I would say he was just a complete you know knob to everybody, particularly to Huey. And it wasn't until we saw his aunt and she was like, you know, he reminds me of your brother Lenny, and he was like, okay, maybe that. Yeah, I can see it. I, I like the touch of that, like Lenny bringing him back to how he almost used to be. Right, I really um, liked that. For me, it, it it was more to do with Ryan and how he wanted to kill Ryan and take take Becca with him, and then they they sort of um, they sort of gave him his his redemption in the very last episode. But for me, that doesn't really make up for. <laughs> For the stuff the, that came the season before where it. he continues wants to kill him, right? And, and and I get it, and that's in Butcher's character, but I still think they probably could have handled that well. And who knows? Maybe that was intentional. Um, maybe they're they're uh, who knows? I know they. I know it was probably to make his redemption at the end of the season seem a bit more. Uh, I guess I guess redemptive, but it just kind of it didn't really. I, mesh I, I just want to say. I just want to say that kind of. I mentioned Tony Starr's fantastic acting during that scene earlier, but I, I often see Carl Urban's get overlooked, where he sees Becca die and he grabs the crowbar and he's just got this like pure rage on his face, that's truly incredible. Like the tears in his eyes and they're, they're all just bloodshot red. Like it, it, fantastic, fantastic acting just all around this season. Really, I don't think there's anyone who stands out. No, nobody in particular stood out to me as as. I mean, everybody was was great. Um, I do love that scene where where Homelander looks at him and he goes, "You're really just gonna let the kid who killed your wife like go free or whatever, or like you're really gonna side with him?" Because once he couldn't get Ryan to come to his side, then he was gonna try to get uh, Butcher to come to his side, and and that that scene was just super heartfelt, um, and I really liked it. What did you think about the? Um, the choice for him to send Ryan off with with or it wasn't Vought, um, but with the uh, government, CIA, I think. Yeah, with with the government in whatever capacity, instead yeah. of keeping him f with himself. What did you think? I think that's a smart choice, uh, both on the writer's part and because it's very in line with Butcher's character. He's already stayed himself. He's not really like a family guy anymore. Right. He's like he he knows that he's a psychopath. Um, it felt it felt a bit odd turning them over to the government thing. So I was like, like they got him away from vault to get him away from vault, and then they just gave him to people who are, for all intents and purposes, equally as bad as vault. Well, I think while I agree with you in real life, I feel like in the show the government is represented as better than vault. Um, because they're they're the good guys, right? Well, I, I mean, we find out at the end of the season. That's the big cliffhanger twist: is that uh, whatever her name is, the she's the AOC stand-in is is a villain. Um, she uh, looks, uh, Vanessa, she, I think. Yeah, New, she looks, Newman. She looks just like AOC, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, I see. This is this is the thing. I think this season felt a bit disjointed at times, and that was one reason. Because uh, like, so the season starts, and you get uh, what was her name, the CIA lady that they rendezvoused with last season you know meeting up with them and her, she dies her head explodes and then they don't really mention that for like eight seven episodes 
and then they bring it back again and I, a lot of it like uh, even Ryan and Becker they kind of just disappear through half the season too right it felt a bit like they had a bit too much on their plate well it was kind of and I get why because it was almost all over the place in a way where they were they were trying to give specific episodes or, or specific characters their own episodes right Huey gets an yeah, episode right. which is great um, Lamplighter even gets an episode, despite the fact that he was in like three episodes. That was the biggest disappointment to me, because while See, I, I love that, I love what they did. I really liked that character, and I thought he had a lot of potential. And then they just kill him off, which was which was fine. That's the best way to have him go. I'm glad that they killed him off instead of keeping him around. Uh, yeah. But I wish in the comics he's a zombie too. Oh, neat. I wish that they had. Um, I wish that they had utilized him more. Maybe if he was if he was with with the team for like the first half of the season, that would have been different. I don't know. Uh, another thing that was kind of neat is this: the these first two seasons, by the wrap up of of season two, almost kind of serve as, from my understanding of of the comic, because like I said, I haven't read it, uh, almost serve as like a prequel to the comic. Because in in the comic, they were a government agent team. They were a government agency, and this almost felt like. Like, by the end of this, it wrapped up to get them there, which was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, the comics is weird, because there's, there's so many. Uh, and this this works quite well, because it, so it kind of it serves as both a prequel and adaptation, because they take a lot of uh, creative license from certain arcs in the comic. Uh, but particularly, uh, Eric Kripke, the showrunner, he said that Season three is going to be based on uh, the hero gasm story, right? Which is it's a very specific arc during the comic run, which was uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but from what I remember, it's the like it's the soups going to basically a soup resort and just kind of chilling and like relaxing for a bit, and then occasionally they have to actually fight a, a greater evil altogether, and they end up. I think they partner with the boys for a little bit. I do remember because the boys happen to follow them there. Right. I vaguely, I vaguely remember maybe reading that or maybe just hearing about it. But I'm pretty sure I've seen <laughs> panels from that, um, which right. will be really neat. I would love to see that adapted. But that that's one of the first few comics, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that, that's like midway. I think. Gotcha. I think okay. It's six six issues in. Gotcha. Well, so that that works. It kind of gives it a nice little, um, nice little wrap up, or, or not wrap up, because we, I mean, we have no idea how long this is going to go. Plus, we're getting a spinoff, which is really neat. I don't know. All in all, one of the things I think this season probably went through some moderately extensive rewrites. Um, just given the fact, I don't know that the uh, the the AOC Rebecca character was supposed to be the one who was blowing people's heads up. I think that almost feels like it was added in kind of last minute to give this season a cliffhanger. Because if you remember earlier on in the season when they go to the, 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 the soup hospital or whatever where they find Lamplighter, there's that one chick who blows stuff up um, who, is, who escapes the hospital and then drives away and then they never mention her again. Like she's, it's almost like, it almost feels like she was supposed to be the person doing that. Um, See, I, I'd have, I'd, I'd have to disagree again there, because the, <laughs> this is going into specifics. Like, you could very well be right, and they may have changed how her power works after the fact, but I, I don't, I don't see it. Cause her power is a lot more destructive. She just kind of crushed people. The, um, the AOC character, she just like very specifically targeted heads. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, if if they did rewrite that, um. And, and rewrite that character sort of last minute, they probably would have filmed all of that but not done the special effects for it, which uh, was yeah, kind of my intent. It feels like those those big moments where that happens, it, it feels like they were supposed to be that characters. Like maybe that hospital scene was supposed to be earlier on in the season and Lamplighter was supposed to have a bigger part of the season. I don't know, something about the season makes me feel like it was uh, shuffled around a bit uh, narratively. Um, which is, which is completely possible because the overarching story of this season is sort of, um, there isn't one, there, right. There, there really isn't one other than, um, 
uh, Stormfront, and and that kind of starts and then just goes relatively steady until the last episode. So it's all you could really pick up any episode and watch them in any order, and the sh- the the season would still make sense. Which could be one yeah. of the reasons they decided to release it, you know, week to week um, instead of yeah, all together. I, I will say though, one of the B plots that I, I just I loved was the deep storyline, which was I, I think it was pretty specifically mocking a uh, well, not cult that I, I don't want to mention for legal reasons, but right, we don't want to get this podcast sued uh, by uh, Tom but, Cruise but, and. But that, <laughs> John Travolta. Right. <laughs> He's going to come at us with the fanatic persona. Right. Um, but no, I, I love the. I know a lot of people had a few issues with the deep storyline because it seemed so random compared to everything else. Uh, but I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I, I even liked how they kind of tied it in neatly at the end by having that, you know, you basically have two storylines here. You have the deep and then you have the boys. I like how they kind of crash course merged into each other for the finale. Right, and A-Train gets brought in there at the same time. Um, And it was really neat. Like I said, even that story, though, um, while that one is a little more narrative than the the A-plot of the series, because the A-plot of the series doesn't really have a narrative flow to it, even that one can be mixed around a little bit. Um, Yeah. Which is, I don't know, something about it, I, I, I can't shake the feeling that this season was supposed to be much different um, than it was, and maybe it has something to do with the show getting renewed halfway through the halfway through production. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe this was supposed to yeah. be a definitive finale, and to give it that cliffhanger, they made that character, you know, um, a possible future bad guy. I don't know. I called that. It makes sense. I, I I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting and it's great. I, uh, if if there wasn't supposed to be more with that character. Why introduce her? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I mean, there's a chance that she could have been she could have been the one who was meant to be killed during the court hearing. That's also uh, that's also true. I mean, she. I just don't know. I mean, because she escaped the hospital, right? And and she mm, she yeah. she runs around and um, she drives away, and that's the big cliffhanger of an episode. And then we never see her again, which is maybe she's the villain of next season i mean maybe she's the 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 big bad yeah. they've got to fight at the resort who knows i don't know we'll we'll yeah. we'll find out at some point jensen ackles in the next season as a soldier boy which, which is, is always neat. Uh, which is great i'm wondering how they're going to um i know the writer said that they were going to keep the thing of him being the first real superhero they're captain well, here's the thing here's the thing with this because i was doing a bit more research on it uh back when the finale had They've already mentioned that the original Soldier Boy died in the series. I think they they mentioned that like Mallory killed him. I think. Yeah, I don't know. So it's interesting. So and and, and according to like a, a couple of test footage, not test footage, what uh, screen tests that I saw. Uh, I think they're doing like this is technically Soldier Boy two, where this is okay. another scoop that's taking the identity to move on. Which is going to be interesting because that's, that's not something they did in the comics. In the comics, he was just, you know, Captain America who lived all that time. I would like to, and I know they probably won't, but I would really like to see him played straight. And by played straight, I mean like like he's an actual, genuine good guy Boy Scout. Very Captain America-esque. I would really yeah. like to see one superhero that's that way. And maybe he's just that way but then he operates within the parameters of the rest of his team so that inherently makes him a bad guy sort of you sort of like Maeve you know Maeve is is technically a good guy but she just kind of does whatever Homelander tells her to so she's inherently bad just because she doesn't do anything about it I would like to see uh, Soldier Boy in, in that same capacity um, but given that this is the second version, who knows? I think Jensen Ackles is a great cast, and I think us talking about it may... I mean, it could be another Lamplighter situation where he's in one episode and then he dies. Who knows? <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I was talking to a friend about it, and this was before we knew that the original Soldier Boy had been killed, and we were thinking, like, how could he play into this series? And he brought up a really interesting idea that I kind of wish they went with, where... Um, Instead of being frozen, saving the world, he was just cryogenically frozen, like Walt Disney is. Okay. And they just kind of they just kind of wait to bring him out like a giant PR stunt. Okay, now that could be neat. That would be a really interesting story, actually. Have him, like you said, cryogenically frozen, and then they just bring him out after. I guess after the Nazi thing, that would make perfect sense. Who do you bring out? You bring oh, out yeah. the World War One hero. You get, like, who, 
Right. You get you, the guy. You bring out Captain America. <laughs> right. You bring out the anti-Nazi Captain America. No, that would be really neat. And they may do that. They may, right. even yeah. if he is the second, maybe he's a clone or or something. Who knows? That could be a really neat. Yeah. No, that's very possible. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be interesting because Soldier Boy in the comics is, for all intents and purposes, a complete wimp. Right. And I know that you can't really take comic interpretations of characters and put them to put them to what the boys yeah. is going to do because none of the characters seem to really line up except for maybe like Kamiko, <laughs> but she doesn't talk. So, um, well, if, even she, she doesn't get a name in the comics. Oh, right, right, right. I don't know. That's, that would be really interesting. If I, I think the clone thing would be a, would be a really interesting Avenue to, to, to play with. Like he's just, yeah, yeah. he's just a clone of the original that they bring out like a mindless kind of vault clone. Um, that's and, a um, that's a rumor. Of, well, not rumor. That's a nice fan theory that people have about Black Noir, uh, that he's a clone of Stan Edgar. Okay, that could be neat too. See, Which, I would like uh, to see yeah, them. People think that because he he seems to respond directly to Stan Edgar. Like he has a direct phone call to him. He's the most obedient. Uh, he, they're both played. Uh, people. Uh, so Black Noir is played by Nate Mitchell, who people say look like. Uh, what's his name? Giancarlo Esposito. Right. Our boy. Yeah, our boy. The uh, star of Mandalorian Season 2. Right. Which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. We're almost done with this. If you're bored of the boys already. <laughs> but yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they could take Season 3. And presumably Season 4, because I think they have five seasons planned. Right. And I, I it did get re- renewed for um, Season 3 and 4, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, I can't quite remember. I know what three was definite. I don't know if they got renewed for season four, but I'm almost definite they will. Like right. this series, even with the review bombing because of the weekly drops, which was it, just the dumbest popular. thing. It was so stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking it up to see if I can find any news about season four, um, but I haven't. I haven't seen anything. I think I thought I remembered hearing something about that, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, all in all, season two. What, what do you think? Does it is it as good as the first season? Is it better? I think it's probably on par with the first season. I, I don't think I'd say it's better because I, I think it's just just a tiny bit too messy for me. Uh, but it still it still holds up. It's still a lot of fun. It's phenomenal in like production, writing, acting. Literally ticks all the boxes. Uh, the characters are a lot more fun this time. They're a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more range with them going right. on, especially with like Maeve and the Deep and stuff. One thing, um, uh, and I want to ask you about the the week to week thing here here in a moment. One thing I I also want to talk about. You know, me and you were we're a fan of like the 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 bad B movies and stuff. And one of the one of the the schlock auteurs of that is Roger Corman. And we're going to do an episode on Roger Corman at some point, probably as one of our retro reviews. Um, but Roger Corman, one one of the things he's famous for is knowing where to put the budget, right? You know, yeah, he doesn't yeah. get much money for his movies, but he knows exactly where to put it. So, you know, his matte paintings, maybe instead of buying maybe instead of paying somebody to make matte paintings for his movies, he buys scrap matte paintings from other movies. And and the same thing with music and all that kind of stuff. This show, not to that same extent, but this show knows where to put its budget, which is one thing yes. that I found so yes. fascinating about it because the action scenes aren't super over the top, but all of the special effects look great when they need to. And they they knew exactly like the costumes are good, but they're not spectacular, but they're good enough to pass and fit really well in this universe. But the world building and stuff is there and the music is there and the special effects and the writing, they knew where to put their budget when making. And I noticed it more with this season than I did with the first one. Cause the first one felt re- kind of smaller. Um, but this one felt a little bigger scale. I think it felt both bigger scale and smaller scale somehow, but they really, really knew where to put their money, which I think came off with a really polished product. Yeah, no, definitely. I, um, they, I, despite any disagreements you may have with Amazon, they know how to make a good TV series. Right. Well, and what did you think of the, the week-to-week thing as opposed to the dropping it all at once? I think it's a well, it's a small to move on the business part because it keeps like the the boys season one, while it was insanely popular, it kind of fell out of the public eye relatively quickly. Whereas this, it's it stayed in the public eye for the last like two months. Uh, it's probably going to continue. 
pretty soon. I- I'm fine with it. You know, shows release on, release on a weekly basis all the time is only inevitable, really, that streaming services would do the same. Uh, I think it's perfectly okay, you know. Right. Review bombing it just because you're unhappy that you can't get more content is stupid. Well, and I try to... So when I'm binging a show, part of, part of the problem I have when I'm binging something like The Boys is I want to finish it before people start talking about it so that I don't get it spoiled. But when I'm binging you know, a show that I've, I've seen before or has been off air for a long time or whatever, I try to watch um, you know, two or three episodes a day versus just binging through a whole series. I try to watch um, – what I try to do is I try to be binging – two or three shows at once and then I'll pick one day and I'll watch one show and then the next day I'll watch other shows. And so this was really beneficial to me because I didn't have to watch the whole thing to avoid getting it spoiled or watch the whole thing so we could talk about it on the podcast or whatever. Um, so I had the ability to to watch it. And that's one of the things I really liked about The Mandalorian, which is, I'm assuming, probably where Prime got this idea um, because the Mandalorian yeah. came out week to week and you had people talking about baby Yoda for, for six months, you know what I'm saying? And so that, like yeah. you said, it kept it in the public eye for a long time. I had no issues with it. In fact, it was actually better for my watching experience, but I understand people not ha- liking it, but to, to review bomb it for just that reason is, is dumb. Um, but do you think it would have watched better as a, as a binge, or do you think it watched better as a week to week? No, I think it, I think the week to week was honestly a better choice. I mean, like you said, the Mandalorian released week to week, and no one had an issue with that. Uh, people liked it. it. It keeps the suspense going. It means you can end an episode on a cliffhanger, and you have people talking about it for the next two weeks, even after the episode releases. Right. Well, and I think part of and- having the uh, the slightly more disconnected story where it wasn't as, you know, it wasn't as overarching as as much as the first season was. And Mandalorian is another great example of that because The Mandalorian was pretty much just one-off episodes until it tied it all together at the end, um, which was neat. And I really liked that. And it was refreshing to not have a show that just beats you over the head with its overarching story (laughs) for, for, you know, hours upon hours. And, And so... And I think the boys season two operated a little more like that. It was it was a little slower, and it it didn't start all at once. And it 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 had each episode kind of kind of started. It had a beginning, middle, and an end instead of have instead of the yeah. season having a beginning. So I think it really benefited from that. Um, we'll see if the review bombing affects next season and affects yeah. how they I, I doubt it. it. Will. I I wouldn't think so. Um, you have, you have other variables too, like COVID going on and all of those things that probably affected releasing week to week. Um, mm, yeah, but because I, 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 want, I do want to ask, I'm curious, are you, how excited are you for the Mandalorian season two compared to the boys? It's a tough, it's a tough thing. I'm not as cautious going into Mandalorian season two as I was going into the boys season two. Um, or are you talking about the boys season three? Which one are you talking about? No, 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 season two. Season two. Okay. Yeah, no, I was really cautious going into season two of the boys because I didn't think it could live up to the first season. And I'm, for some reason, because it could be the exact same issue, but for some reason, I'm not as cautious going into Mandalorian season two because I feel like it is going to live up to the first season. Um... I don't know. I'm really excited. I didn't watch the trailer that just came out, but um, I don't know. I'm excited to see where this story goes because I could I could sort of feel out where they were going to go with with the season two of the boys. Right. It, it was a pretty obvious narrative track to go the direction they went. Um, whereas Mandalorian, I have no idea what they're planning. I have no idea what's next. And that gets me really excited the, the Mandalorian is such a refreshing take on Star Wars in general, which is a franchise that uh, I have both love and hate for. Um, it's such a refreshing take on Star Wars, and we've seen so much Star Wars so often. It's so nice to see this nice small-scale story, but I genuinely don't know really what they're going to do. You know what I'm saying? You know what? See, is- I, I'm, in a, I'm in a different boat, but for different reasons. Uh, so I have seen the trailers for The Mandalorian Season 2, and I'm, I think I'm a little bit more apprehensive 
bec- not because I think the season's going to dip in quality. I think it's going to be just as, if not better, than the first season because now they've kind of fi- found their stride. Um, but the reason I'm apprehensive about it is because a lot of the the, the Mandalorian season two trailer uh, and more so the casting announcements that have come out point to it being more referential towards something like Star Wars Rebels, which I haven't seen. Uh, and I'm I'm apprehensive in that. I think I'm scared that's going to affect my enjoyment because I feel like it might turn into a bit of too much fan service. Well, okay. Whereas I think the first season had just the right amount. I, I'll I'll counter that with I have seen Star Wars Rebels, right? I've seen Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm, yes. And yes. Dave Filoni was the the head writer of both of those, and is the head writer of season or of The Mandalorian, along with John Favreau. Right. Um. What he does a really good job of, specifically in Rebels, is referencing those characters from Clone Wars, who are m- mostly the same characters who are going to cross over with the Mandalorian. <laughs> um, he does a really good job of bringing those back in a way that both appeases fans, fits narratively, and explains it for new viewers. And just given his track record of doing that pretty well... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's going to be done pretty well in season two of the Mandalorian. I'm a little nervous about it because I don't like when things get too fan servicey. Um, and and that was my biggest, that was my big issue with rogue one, right? Rogue one was, was uh, an hour and a half of fan service and then 30 minutes of great movie. Um, and, and so I don't particularly love when, when movies do that. Or, or, or television series for that matter. But I think Dave Filoni has a really neat way of both. It's almost, it's not quite as comparable to, to our boy Ryan Johnson. But Ryan Johnson had this <laughs> way of, if you watch, you know, um, uh, the, the Rise of, or Last Jedi. When you watch Last Jedi, I almost said something completely different than what I wanted to say. <laughs> when, you, when you watch uh, Last Jedi, it's got these references to the to the to the original trilogy and even to the prequels and stuff that that sort of take those and expand them further, as opposed to just having those references there for the sake of having them there. It actually works to push the narrative story further, and so uh, Dave Filoni does that really well. So for that reason. I'm pretty excited for for Mandalorian season two, because um, I I am also a little bit apprehensive of those things, just because that's not really my flavor of storytelling is just to reference stuff you've done in the past. But I think yeah, I think they can handle that really well. Ahsoka is a character because uh, that's the main one we're talking about, I guess. Um, the, uh, yeah. There are some others, but Ahsoka's the main one. She's a character that yeah, can... Sabine, Sabine's the only one that we've actually seen a picture of. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka is a character that can cross over with things really well. I'd say she'd probably have the most to do with this season if I had to guess. Um, but she can kind of cross over really well. Um, I'm really surprised genuinely that she wasn't in, um, uh, shoot. What was that game with, um, with Cameron Monaghan? Oh, uh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. I'm really surprised we didn't see her in that because she crosses yeah, over with yeah. stories like that really well. Um, and so maybe, I don't know. Maybe she'll be in the sequel. Maybe. Maybe that would be really neat. I'm. I'm. That's another thing I'm excited for too. Because I. I know you didn't like that game, but I really did. I enjoyed it. I, no, I. I like the game. I just thought it was a bit too uh, short. Short and repetitive, are are, yeah, are my yeah. only two complaints. But I think yeah, story wise, that was great. And and so it's those kind of stories that she she can just kind of work her way into. Like she really had no business being in Rebels, given the plot of Rebels. But they found a way, sort of like how she doesn't have any business being in Mandalorian, given the plot of Mandalorian. But she can kind of work her way into those stories in a way where her character kind of adapts. Um, I know there was some, so a little bit of fan backlash because they didn't get the actress who did the voice work um, to play her. They got uh, Rosero Dawson instead. Yeah, which is uh, which fine. I don't think is an awful move. I mean, actors play different characters. Like, different actors can play the same character, and it's usually for a specific reason. Right. I kind of. Uh, and I'm not one of those people. I completely don't care that they, they recast. I kind of wish they did the Darth Maul thing where they got her to do the voice and maybe, but... Oh, uh, that would have been nice. It's it's not really that big a deal. Um, she's a great yeah, character. Yeah. I, I really like seeing her. Um, Ahsoka's just a fun character in general to bring into this, I think. Um, we'll yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. 
I'm yeah, I mean, really I, the thing is, I so I've never really watched Clone Wars in its entirety. I think I've seen the old episode here and there, uh, just went back when it was still airing on TV. Uh, I used to catch it just when I came home from school, and because they never aired in order, I'd like, I'd catch the back half to one episode or the front half to another one. Uh, and I've never seen Rebels uh, anything from it other than the Obi Wan Darth Maul scene. And what I've realised with the Mandalorian season two coming out within a week, basically is I have one week to binge all of Clone Wars and Rebels. And you've got another Star Wars thing to watch because we're talking about <sighs> it on the show next week, which is far more important than those that. two. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> I guess my anticipation for, for Mandalorian season, season two is it's pretty high, um, especially going off of that finale. Uh, the finale to the first season of Mandalorian, you said it, before I watched it, and I didn't think it would live up to it, you said, this is one of the best things that Star Wars has done, period. And I didn't believe you, and then I watched it, and I was like, <laughs> no, he's right. This is genuinely one of the most fun things that Star Wars has done in years. And so I'm really excited to see season two. I I'm expecting a bigger story, but I'm expecting them to still keep it small scale. I'm really, really, yeah. uh, I'm excited to see in, what... In, in February, we trust... Right, absolutely. And Filoni. I trust Filoni. Yeah. Those are the two guys yeah, in charge Filoni. of Star Wars now, so I just hope they give Ryan Johnson his trilogy. <laughs> or if you believe uh, certain YouTubers who also claim that Robert Pattinson has issues with Matt Reeves. Right. Uh, Catherine, <laughs> Catherine, whatever her name is, is gone. She's out. There's a Lucas Rebellion within LucasArts and Disney. It's all going to hell. Right. I don't know. Kathleen Kennedy, she's been involved with Star Wars since Empire, so, uh, you know... <laughs> She made the original. She she produced the original Indiana Jones, but yeah, she she ruined Star Wars. Yeah, she she was part of the production team on the prequels, the movies that you love so much that are arguably worse than the sequels. But it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, um, that's another episode for another day. Right, uh, a whole nother discussion. But yeah, next week we're going to be doing another retro review on or Caravan. We may be watching. We may be watching one of the best horrors of all time. Oh, are we? Is that next week? Are we dropping? Yeah. I don't remember what we're doing. I, I thought we would because it's the lead up to Halloween. That's right. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're watching Evil Dead Two next week in a um, in a semi pro film show, and then after that, we're doing another retro review on Caravan of Courage and Ewok Adventure, the original Star Wars spinoff. So I've put it off for another week. Yes, you have. Look at you go. Look at you getting out of watching your homework, this podcast, Josh. This podcast has just turned to me trying to avoid watching a lot of TV shows and films that were never meant to be aired. Right. Well, that one was meant to be aired. They even made a sequel. Oh, they did? Oh, yes. Oh, I forgot. It I was forgot so, about that. Josh, it was so good that they made a sequel to it. <laughs> That's like saying Attack what? of the Clones was so good that they made Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is a whole oh. lot of fun yeah so we want to thank you for listening to semi-pro today we will catch you next week on the next episode of semi-pro semi-pro